It's Wednesday, June 5th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into U.S. weapons sales to Saudi Arabia. We'll connect the dots on why a bipartisan group of lawmakers is trying to stop that from happening and what it means for the war in Yemen. Then, officials from the U.S. and Mexico are meeting at the White House to talk tariffs. We'll give you the details. And finally, couples in Israel are breaking glass to make change. We're here to make your Wednesday smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Delta. Keep climbing. And keep listening, because a lot's happening. The most complicated story today is about weapons. Specifically, the weapons the Trump administration wants to sell to Saudi Arabia, and also to the United Arab Emirates and Jordan. Historically, this wouldn't be a shocking development. The U.S. has sold munitions, items used in war, to countries all over the world for years. And Saudi Arabia has been buying them for years. The kingdom has been a strategic U.S. ally in the Middle East. But this latest sale is facing backlash from members of Congress, both Democrats and Republicans. They're trying to block the sale from happening. Today, we're going to break down why this became an issue, why the Trump administration is saying they're doing it anyway, and how Congress could try to stop them. So when we're talking arms, we're talking precision-guided munitions, basically smart bombs with really precise GPS, mortars, big guns that fire explosives, and fighter jet engines. The administration has 22 deals lined up to sell these things and more to Saudi Arabia and crew. But there are a couple of reasons that U.S. lawmakers are trying to block the deal. First, these weapons are going to Saudi Arabia, but they could be used in a war in Yemen. It's basically a proxy war. Saudi Arabia has been fighting Houthi rebels in Yemen for years, who are backed by Iran. And the U.S. has been helping out, providing intelligence and, until recently, refueling planes. But thousands of Yemenis have been killed over the years, and millions more are starving. It's become a massive humanitarian crisis, and some in the U.S. are saying it's time to get the U.S. out. The other reason these arms sales are under fire is because U.S. intelligence officials say Saudi Arabia's crown prince ordered the killing of U.S. resident and journalist Jamal Khashoggi last year, which lawmakers on both sides of the aisle say is another good reason to stop buddying up to Saudi Arabia. This has been going on for a while. This spring, Democrats and Republicans voted to stop helping Saudi Arabia in the war in Yemen. They invoked the 1973 War Powers Act. President Trump vetoed it, his second ever veto. And the congressional majority wasn't enough to override that veto. But now, the Trump administration wants to go a step further and sell Saudi Arabia and the UAE and Jordan $8 billion worth of arms. Usually, major arms sales have to go through Congress, and Congress gets to check out the deals and maybe vote to limit or stop the sale. That's thanks to another retro war law, the Arms Export Control Act of 1976. But last month, the Trump administration announced it's going around Congress by invoking a provision in that law. It says the president can get around Congress's approval if there's a national emergency that requires the sale to protect national security. So the Trump administration said, there's a national emergency. But the law says you've got to have a reason for saying that. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says they've got one. It's Iran. Remember, the war in Yemen is a proxy war between the Saudis and Iran. And Pompeo says the U.S. is also facing a heightened threat from Iran. 
There's been a back and forth over the Iran nuclear deal. President Trump pulled the U.S. out. And recently, Iran said it'll back out too, just after the U.S. started sending extra military ships to the Persian Gulf, right in their backyard. So President Trump is reaching into the depths of old school American law to get these arms to Saudi Arabia. But members of Congress are also hitting the books to try to stop him. In the House, Dems are considering a bill that would require those 22 deals to go through Congress first. Aides are also poring over that 1976 Arms Export Control Act to see if they can update the definition of a national emergency to make it more specific. But a bipartisan group in the Senate is also looking at a provision of that law, one that allows Congress to force a debate over a proposed arms sale, even if the president declares an emergency. The group plans to issue 22 resolutions, one for each of the 22 arms deals. That effort's being led by Democratic Senator Bob Menendez and Republican Senator Lindsey Graham. Here he is on Fox News Sunday last week. Saudi Arabia is a strategic ally, but the uh, crown prince was, in my opinion, involved in the murder of Mr. Khashoggi, and he's done a lot of other <laughs> disruptive things. So I don't, I don't support the arms sales now. So what's the skim? Congressional aides say the Senate group to stop the sale of arms to Saudi Arabia could start putting these resolutions forward in the next few days. But again, the last time Congress tried to push President Trump to back away from Saudi Arabia, he vetoed. Which means if they try something like that again, they'll need a two-thirds majority. Getting members of both parties to agree on anything is already like herding cats. Getting two-thirds of them to agree is a lot more cats. Lawmakers from both parties are also up in arms for a totally different reason. President Trump wants to issue tariffs against all goods coming from Mexico. But his allies in Congress think it's a really bad idea. That's next. There are two kinds of people in the world. The kind that hits news and the kind that sleep through five alarms. They'd both rather stay in bed. And they're everywhere. Delta flies to 300 cities. That's 300 cities full of people who have a special relationship with their alarm clock. And here's the thing. Delta doesn't just fly to more than 300 cities to bring us together. They do it to show us we're not so far apart in the first place. Delta, keep climbing. VP Mike Pence and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo met with Mexico's foreign minister in D.C. today to talk about, what else? The U.S.-Mexico border and tariffs. President Trump announced last week that he would impose a 5% tariff on all goods imported from Mexico. To start with, it's supposed to put pressure on Mexico to tighten border security and stop Central American migrants from crossing into the U.S. through the southern border. Mexico's foreign minister, Marcelo Ebrard, has been meeting with members of Congress and the Trump administration all week. He says that Mexico has been enforcing immigration laws and that he wants to work with the U.S. to avoid tariffs that could hurt both countries. And he's not the only one who thinks they are a bad idea. Experts say the tariffs are legally questionable. Here's why. President Trump is raising them through something called the International Emergency Economic Powers Act. The law is usually used against U.S. enemies to impose economic sanctions and freeze a country's assets. It's never been used to impose tariffs on a single country like this before or against an ally. A big problem for Trump is that some top Republicans aren't on board. Here's Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. There is uh, not much support in my conference for tariffs, that's for sure. Their big concern is money and votes. 
See, Mexico supplies a lot of products to the US, from fresh tomatoes and grapes to jeans and TVs, medical devices and cars. And some products cross the border a bunch of times, from farms to factories, before they end up on the shelf. That could mean multiple tariffs on a single product. If Mexico doesn't meet the Trump administration's demands, the U.S. is prepped to raise tariffs even more over the course of the next few months. If the tariffs get up to the max amount of 25%, economists say they could cost Americans as much as $900 per household. The Republican stronghold of Texas would be hit the hardest. Close behind are 2020 battleground states like Michigan and Ohio. So Republicans are now threatening to block the tariffs, and they might have enough of a majority to override a Trump veto. But during a press conference yesterday, Trump said he doesn't think they'll do it. I think if they do, it's foolish. Uh, there's nothing more important than borders. These tariffs could also end up affecting a new longer-term trade agreement that's being negotiated between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. Trump was firm in his press conference yesterday that the tariffs would move forward next Monday as planned. But a top U.S. trade advisor, Peter Navarro, said in an interview this morning that Mexico is paying attention now and that if they promise some big changes in today's meeting with Pence and Pompeo, the tariffs might be avoidable after all. Pride Month is a time to celebrate the strides being made for equal rights and respect in the LGBTQ community. It's also a time to raise awareness for barriers that still need to be broken. That's what happened in Israel last night. 23 gay couples held a mass wedding in Tel Aviv. They walked down a red carpet, exchanged vows, stomped on some glass, and feasted on rainbow-colored desserts. Hundreds of guests were there to witness the ceremony and to be a part of a larger message. Israel claims to be gay-friendly and hosts a gay pride week that's pretty famous around the world. But homophobia and transphobia are pretty common there, and LGBTQ rights are really restricted. The mass wedding that took place there last night was an unofficial ceremony and a protest because gay marriage is still illegal in the country. The point, according to the organizers, is to say, quote, to love is not against the law. For more Pride coverage, head over to theskim.com slash pride. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact from work, 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 work. According to Forbes magazine, Robin Rihanna Fenty, a.k.a. Rihanna, is now the world's richest female musician. She's worth $600 million. That puts her ahead of Madonna, Celine Dion, and Beyonce. The 31-year-old Barbados native is famous for her music. But what really grew her empire is her cosmetics line, Fenty Beauty. Forbes reports Fenty earned over $570 million in revenue last year, and it's estimated to be worth more than $3 billion. And Fenty Beauty has only been in business for a little over a year and a half. Now, Rihanna is also getting into fashion with her own label, Fenty Maison. That makes her the first black woman to head a major luxury fashion house in partnership with the luxury conglomerate LVMH. Shine bright like a diamond. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, by texting the word SKIM to 66866. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.